What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, talking the Ranger system today, joined on the phone by Ben Badler. Ben has done the Ranger system for us for a couple of years. Ben, the Rangers, we talked on the podcast last year, had a run where they made the playoffs five times in seven years, two World Series appearances. And as we know, when there's big stretches of success like that, there is a time when it comes to an end, and the Rangers are kind of in that place right now. Uh, we saw them make some trades at the deadline to add more prospects into their system. They've had a couple of high picks the last few years, uh, middle first roundish, and uh, they're going to have another high one next year. Uh, just overall, after you know talking to scouts and evaluators, both inside and outside the Rangers organization, where is this system right now compared to its peers across the game? And I think it, it needs to get better. Like It's probably going to rank somewhere in the 20s when we come out with our farm system rankings because I think you look at the system as a whole, you know, I don't see anybody in that farm system who's going to rank as a top 50 prospect in baseball. Uh, I like Hans Kraus. I think he's a top 100 guy. Uh, and I like Julio Pablo Martinez, too. And, uh, you know, I like some of the other guys in the top 100, but they don't have, like, one guy who you really feel comfortable projecting as a pretty solid impact-type guy as a top 50 overall prospect in baseball. I don't think they're going to have more than maybe a couple top 100 prospects in the game. And I think they have some other guys who certainly are – are candidates and, and could climb into that range at some point, but um, it's just it's not it's it's not a great system right now. There's there's some depth and, and there's some potential uh, breakout guys if you want to look at the lower levels of the system. But uh, I, I think most farm systems you could probably say <laughs> the same thing about uh, of, of guys who just came in as 2018 draft picks or, or 17 and 18 international signings and, and the Rangers do have some pretty interesting guys on on that front but uh, it's, it's just uh, it's probably toward the uh, that, uh, that that 20-ish uh, and then pushing a little bit lower range right now obviously that could change some depending on trades but uh, it, it's definitely a farm system that that needs to needs to get better you know and one thing that jumped out at me as well is their top group is all guys in the lower levels Hans Kraus finished the year at low a Julio Pablo Martinez uh, was in short season for most of the year Leo de Tavares high a Cole Wynn, a 2018 pick didn't pitch except in uh you know instructional league and then Anderson Tejeda you know your top five guys are all a ball and below and that's a little problematic when you look at a big league club that you know last year had one above average offensive player, and he was Shinsu Chu, who's 35 years old. A lot of the young guys they've relied on have have been below average offensive players. Uh, the pitching staff has has been a mess for a few years now. Uh, there's nothing really coming. Um, the Rangers went 67 and 95 last year. They're going to have a really really high pick, um, but it, given where the talent in this farm system is and where the major league team is, at least from the outside looking in, it looks like you can probably expect a top five pick not just this coming year, but maybe even the year after and potentially even the year after that. 
Yeah, that uh, that very well could be. I mean, you're, uh, you know, Joey Gallo is there. You've got Nomar Mazzara. You've got Odor. You, you have some pieces in in that lineup, uh, and Willie Calhoun, guys who I think could really break through and be important parts of of that lineup in the future. But they just haven't done it yet. I mean, Gallo, Gallo is such an extreme player. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, guys that, uh, you know, look, Mazzaro was still 23 last season. Uh, Gallo was 24. Odor, who's been around, obviously, for a while, is still 24. Um, you know, there, there's definitely some guys in that lineup who could break through and, and obviously really didn't uh, last year. But the pitching staff in particular, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know where you go with, with that one. Um, and, and like you said, it's, there's not, you know, I, there, are, there are a lot of guys who I think will probably be in, uh, in AA and above next year uh, who, who should be able to, to help in the next, you know, couple of years. But, yeah, I, I think it's going to be still pretty ugly in 2019, and it's it's hard right now to see a path in 2020 uh, unless, you know, a lot of those guys really break through, especially in that in that lineup. But, again, you know, as I like to say, if, if you or I had gone to any Texas Rangers fan at the start of the decade and said, hey, you've got a franchise that's made the playoffs three times in, you know, 40-some-odd years of existence, or almost 40 years of existence, now I'm going to give you five postseason appearances in the next seven years, and two World Series appearances, but the trade-off is you're going to be pretty bad for the three, four years after that. I think every Rangers fan on the planet would have taken that deal. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they obviously didn't get a you know a World Series trophy out of it, but uh, that's a team that had a lot of uh, consistent success, consistent opportunity to uh, to be in the playoffs year after year. Absolutely. Diving into this system, Hans Kraus uh, has emerged as the number one prospect, the new number one in the Rangers system. As you were making your calls, doing your research. Was it clear-cut at a certain point that Kraus was number one in this system, or was it a, a debate up until the end? Yeah, I think I think it's it's debatable, but for me, Kraus is a guy I think who has a chance to be a true top-of-the-rotation starter. The Rangers have kind of slow-played it with him. I think they've been doing that just with a lot of their pitching, you know, their young pitching prospects in general. So it's one where I, you know, I wish you had more of a track record above the short season level, but all of the stuff, like I don't think there's really much question about his stuff translating <laughs> at higher levels. It's not like he's some smoking mirrors guy beating guys with like a, you know, a really good changeup and some deception in his delivery. He's, you know, throwing up to, you know, as high as 99 with really high spin on the fastball, just totally blowing that pitch by hitters that the slider is, is plus or at least plus at times um you know there's some funkiness to the delivery but that actually doesn't concern me too much um as, as long as he's able to i think repeat that and, and throw enough strikes and then have good fastball command uh i think that should be fine it is a guy i think has power stuff front of the rotation kind of stuff so He's he's far away uh, just just because he hasn't even pitched in a, a full season league yet. But uh, there's there's really really high upside with Kraus. 
you know, it's funny. One of my uh, most poignant memories from, from being in Southern California and covering the area code games every year. Uh, at the time, I didn't know who Hans Kraus was, and here's this tall sophomore coming out, and there are very, very few sophomores uh, that you see pitching in an area code games. And he's a sophomore in high school, and he comes out and touches 97. It's like, who is that? So that was my first introduction to Hans Kraus. Uh, then obviously we saw him through the years, uh, you know, both at Dana Hills High School, NHSI, and start, you know, getting up into that upper 90s and hitting 99. Uh, one of the things with Kraus that was always um, a concern, if you will, and really the reason he fell out of the first round in 2017 was there were some concerns about the delivery, but there were some concerns about makeup. He had made some decisions in terms of videos he posted on social media, uh, some of the things he had, he had maybe said or, or done with uh, opposing coaches and teammates that irked a lot of evaluators and, and had some concerns. Um, always a nice kid, well-spoken kid, just a, a lot of decisions that made people question if he'd make the right decisions in professional baseball. So far in his pro career, obviously the numbers have been great. What kind of feedback have you gotten in terms of him, you know, staying on the straight and narrow and, and the type of person he's been? Uh, to me, I think what matters the most is that this guy has uh, an explosive fastball <laughs> that he can blow by hitters and uh, can miss a ton of bats with with both that pitch and and the slider. You know anything else? <laughs> uh, I think the the most important thing is his ability to miss bats and and uh, have you know premium top of the rotation type stuff. I mean, I think what. Uh, you know what these guys do on the field is is by far the most <laughs> important uh, important thing. All right, that's fair enough. You're moving beyond Hans Kraus. You get into this group, uh, you know, of a couple different guys. Was there a clear cut, you know, number two, or how many guys were kind of in the debate to be in this next tier? Yeah, after that was tough because it's like you know you wanted to find somebody who. Can really has really come out and can kind of blend the the high upside with you know performance and, and uh, as few weaknesses as possible. But all these guys really you know there's there's something there with with all of them. Like from two to like I mean probably maybe even like nine or ten <laughs> in in the system. Uh, but there's a lot of guys with a lot of different flaws too. I mean. Uh, to me, uh, you know that anywhere from like two two to six, and and if you really like, you know, say Bubba Thompson, you could probably make an argument for him to to be higher on that list as well. Um, those are all guys where there, there, there's a lot of things you like, and, and also a lot of uh, warts or, or red flags with with all of them. Um, you know, for me, I, I thought Julio Pablo Martinez probably had the most uh, well-rounded, balanced skill set of all of those guys. Now you can say, all right, well, he hasn't played above full season ball yet, but that's really more about just how the Rangers handle their Cuban players, and they've signed several Cuban players in recent years, and they've always really just tried to slow play it with those guys just to make sure they're getting acclimated to – uh, a new country and you know a lot of things both on the field as you know dealing with you know life as a professional baseball player in the United States getting getting used to a new country not wanting to push them too hard 
from a, a baseball standpoint their their first year out. And and then he went after the season to to the Arizona Farley against guys who are mostly, you know, upper level guys or guys who will be in the upper levels of the minors in 2019. And uh, he he looked really good out there. So uh, you know, like for him versus Leody Taveras, <laughs> I mean, you, you can make a case for Taveras higher uh, just based on him being even younger and, and having been at a higher level. And I, I think he's a better defender. Than Julio Pablo Martinez, but Leody Tavares has a lot to prove offensively uh, himself. I mean, Anderson Tejeda, there are guys who, certainly guys who like Tejeda more than Tavares, and, and Tejeda made some pretty significant strides forward this year. Certainly defensively, I think he's answered a lot of questions about whether he can stay at shortstop. Uh, he got a lot better on, on that side of the ball. And offensively, the numbers were better, but uh, that's that's still a lot of strikeouts for a guy who's you know we're at a level where the pitching's only going to get a lot lot better. So um, so there's there's a lot of different red flags with all those guys. To me, I felt like Julio Pablo is uh, e- even though he is in the short season level, it sounds weird to say he's he's more advanced than those guys, but that really just had to do with just kind of how the Rangers. Uh, you know, chose to, to assign him to that level this year. I, I think that combination of being a little bit more advanced than some of those other guys and just the, the polished kind of all-around type skill set that he has as a, a premium position guy who I think he will strike out some, but uh, I think it's going to be a, a manageable strikeout rate to go with the, uh, the speed and, and the power that he has. No question. I, I'm sure we're all excited to see Julio Pablo's, you know, first season uh, here in the States after this acclimation period. You hit on it with Leody Tavares. Uh, this is someone who has ranked very, very high uh, in the Rangers' top 10 for a couple years now, ranked high in uh, some league top 20 rankings. The performance hasn't really been there. He's been young every level he's played. There was always a sense of, you know what, he'll be really, really good when he gets bigger and fills out. Um, but there's a lot of people still waiting, and it hasn't quite all shown up yet. What's the level of confidence in Leody Tavares right now compared to, say, uh, a year ago? I think his, his stock is definitely down from where it was a year ago, but at the same time, I, I, I think 2019 is going to be a, a huge, huge year for him where I think he could you know, really rebound in 2019 or if he hits again and puts up numbers again in 2019 like he did in 2018 you could see him start to really really tumble uh, I mean the good thing is I don't think anybody really questions the the defense it's it's plus defense at a premium position uh, the question is how much impact is going to be there as a as a hitter and that's tough because he's, you know, he's 19 years old in in the Carolina league. I mean, they've they've pushed him really hard to age. You know, as a it's, it's, try to I try to give him the benefit of the doubt in some sense, just because he's he's been pushed so fast. I mean, most guys his age are either, uh, you know, a level or two or even three <laughs> levels below where he's at. Uh, you know, I, I think you've. You can go back and, and look at guys like, you know, I think Lorenzo Cain, for example, when he was in 
know, he, he wasn't in that league. He was in the Florida State League. But when he was in, um, you know, when he was in high A at uh, even 21 years old, you, you go back and look at his number. It's not like he was a guy that was uh, crushing the ball uh, by any means, but, you know, really athletic plus defender in center field. Um, you know, I, I think you could see, again, I'm not saying Leody Tavares is going to turn into a, <laughs> you know, potential MVP type of player like Lorenzo Kane, but uh, I think it's important just to have some, some patience there with, with his bat. But again, if he goes out and hits like this again in 2019, uh, you're you're not going to see him this high on the list next year. Was there a sense that he's going to have to repeat high A? Because the high to double A jump is generally considered the hardest to make in the minors. And I know the scouts who saw him in high A last year, and, and frankly myself as well, did not see a guy physically or skill set wise ready to ready to really make that jump. So that's a that's going to be an interesting dilemma for uh, the new farm director Matt Blood and and the Rangers organization as a whole, because I I think he has to repeat high A. I, I mean I don't see somebody who's ready to go to Double A, and nor do I think it's actually like a bad thing to put him back in high A. He's going to be a 20 years old, right? The problem is you also have you got to figure out all right. Well, where are you going to put Julio Pablo Martinez too? And then also, well, Bubba Thompson was in Hickory last year, right, in, in low A. So you've got three center fielders for, you know, three different levels. Like, are you going to jump Julio Pablo up to double A or, like, you know, have him just skip, like, low A and high A entirely, but then put Leote back in high A? But then, like, what do you do with Bubba Thompson? Do you just have him, like, share the out, you know, have him share the outfield and have him flip back and forth between center and, and right field. I mean, I think that's that's one option. Or you could put Julio Pablo maybe in in low A and, and Hickory. There's a lot of different ways you can go. Like it's tough too because I think Bubba Thompson really is somebody who, I mean, for me, needs to play. I'd like to have him ideally in center field every day because he has the tools to play center field. But uh, right now, you know, he's making mistakes just on on some of his reads and. And routes, and he's kind of outrunning some of his, uh, you know, initial misjudgments. But uh, I think, you know, the more time you can give him in center field to work at that, uh, the better it is for him. So I don't think the Rangers quite know yet <laughs> what they're going to do to shake all that out. Uh, you know, in a perfect world, I think you, you would just have uh, Leone Tavares repeat the league. But just because of all the other different parts and moving pieces there, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out come uh, opening day next year. Absolutely. You hit on Anderson Tejeda a little bit earlier. He's one of the more interesting prospects just because he's so explosive. He makes some plays at shortstop that make you say, wow, uh, cannon arm, you know, does some really good things with the glove and some other things that make you shake your head, but no more than other young shortstops. Um, there's, there's the ability to really hit the ball hard, uh, both, you know, we saw 19 home runs as well as a, a lot of very hard hit outs on a line. There's also a lot of swings and misses, um, a lot of, of swinging over the top of, you know, okay breaking pitches, but not nasty ones. And uh, there's also been times where I've seen him get uh, a little overly demonstrative, slamming the bat down at home plate, chirping at umpires. Uh, it's interesting because, you know, there's been a lot of great reviews on him. 
And then there's other times you see them and it's 0 for 5 with three punch outs and you know just some things you don't want to see in terms of uh, how he deals with, with uh, adversity, I guess you could say. How does it all balance out in the end? Because, again, there's a lot of talent there. There's also a lot of strikeouts, and, and sometimes these are the guys that are kind of the toughest to, to predict. Yeah, it's, it's definitely some of the loudest tools in the organization. I mean, our, I mean conservatively, he put a, a seven on the arm, and, and I actually think he, he did a better job with his footwork this year just to be able to, uh, you know, just to, to take better advantage of the arm. I mean, he used to make a lot of throwing air, like, if you have that arm, like you want to use it as much as possible, and, and sometimes the, uh, the decisions on when to make throws, uh, or just just how to use his feet on on certain throws, was not the best. But I, I think he made a lot of strides forward with that this season. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned the the power, the bat speed. Like if you're just looking at him quickly, like yeah, like the tools are going to jump out to you probably even more so than than with Leody Tavares to to a certain um, to a certain extent I mean, it's, it's more more power with Tejeda than you have with Leody whereas Leody I think has a, a better plan at the plate and better better bat to ball skills I mean that's that's wrong I think with, without question so I, I think the, the question is how is that actually you know how are those skill sets going to age as they as they move up the system, and with Tejeda, I mean he's he's got to find a way to cut down on the strikeouts, and I don't like it's never going to be like a high contact type guy, but uh, if he can at least learn, all right, you know this these are the pitches in my zone <laughs> that I really need to just be targeting in on, and at least just be able to uh, resist some more of those breaking balls right now that he's. Like you were talking about him just swinging over the top of because the pitch recognition is, is not great. I don't think it's the greatest plan <laughs> at the plate right now. I think he's just guessing uh, a good amount. Uh, if he can just get that to be, get that, cut those strikeouts down to a more manageable level, all right, well, now you have a, a guy who's, a, I, I, you know, I think can stick at shortstop and, and has, you know, good power for a shortstop too. That's a it's a pretty interesting guy, but that strikeout rate, especially, and some of those red flags, at, uh, at just still at the A ball level, uh, again, like the pitching doesn't get any easier <laughs> when you make that big jump to Double A and then Triple A and, and obviously the big leagues as well. So uh, I think definitely a, a positive, a lot of positive development steps for Tejeda in 2018, but. Uh, still a lot of risk in that profile going forward. Yeah, I mean, Tejeda, you know, it's kind of funny. If you were to tell me five years from now he's playing a ridiculous everyday defensive shortstop, hitting 25 home runs in the big leagues, I would completely believe you. If you told me five years from now he had struck out 200 times in double A and never got above that level, I'd also believe you. You know, you mentioned the volatility of these Rangers prospects. Uh, in some ways, I think he almost represents that. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, two very divergent ways <laughs> his future could go, for sure. Absolutely. One guy who has reached uh, higher levels and had success at the higher levels was Taylor Hearn. Uh, the Rangers acquired him for Keone Kila from the Pirates uh, at the trade deadline this year. And 
Uh, just at first glance, I actually thought that was a pretty nice pickup for the Rangers. Uh, Keone Kilo, obviously a very good reliever, but you know, a, a setup reliever on a team that's in last place doesn't do a whole lot for you. While you get a really powerful left-handed arm uh, who's you know succeeded in the Arizona Fall League, uh, performed in the upper levels of the minors. He makes his Rangers debut uh, here in the top ten. What was your overall assessments that you got on Taylor Hearn, and and was there debate about moving him up higher, or was he pretty clearly you know after the top six? Yeah, I thought it was a, a nice pickup for them too. Like you said, big big power arm from uh, from the left side, pretty consistently mid nineties up to uh, up to ninety eight. He's six five, long arms, like really uncomfortable angle, a lot of extension too. Uh, get swing and miss with a fastball. So, um, you know, I, I think that between that, he's, he's got, uh, you know, some, you know, the, with a feel for the, the slider and, and the changeup too. Um, he's got, he's got good stuff. It's, it's a matter of, uh, you know, tightening his, his fastball command and, uh, you know, learning how to best mix in those pitches. I, I think the secondary stuff is kind of, Picked up, so he's, he's kind of learning more about how to use those pitches now that they're actually better weapons for him. But but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, you know there's some debate about whether he he'll fit better as a starter or as a reliever, and, and as roles are kind of evolving in in major leagues and in, in the major leagues, the some some of those lines are blurring a little bit. But um, but yeah, I, I like that pickup for for the for the Rangers quite a bit. And then as we as we get into the back of the list here, Bubba Thompson was someone that really opened eyes this year in the sense, you know, he's raw, two sport guy, goes out and hits, you know, 289, first full season low A, uh, you know, made made a you know good amount of contact, uh, especially for a guy who's considered to be raw. Uh, I should say at least, you know, a contact that resulted in base hits. Uh, showed you some power, uh, and then out in the uh, Don Welke On Deck Classic that they play at Petco Park every year, uh, he hit the game-winning home run, the eighth inning for the Rangers prospects. And uh, I mean, I was there, and this was not, you know, this was not a cheap home run. This was Petco Park at night, and he almost hit it to the second deck in left field off a, you know, he jumped on a 98 mile an hour fastball. Um, big bat speed, big power. Uh, he also had a, you know, took out a, a hanging breaking ball and hit it, you know, into that 402-foot gap at Petco. It would have been gone a lot of other stadiums. And for a 20-year-old to show the strength and the bat speed to do that, I, I came away really impressed with him in that game, uh, especially following up on, on a, a solid first full season that he had. Uh, you know, we mentioned the volatility here. You know, how high could Thompson have ranked in this group? And, and is it possible that a year from now we're looking at a guy who's not just in the top five, but maybe even the top three? Yeah, I think he's got a certainly a, a chance to take up. Like you said, it's a premium premium type of athlete and a lot of really advanced tools. If you're you know going in and getting a quick look at at him, you're probably going to see something that sticks out to you right away, especially with the athleticism and and the speed that he brings. And and there's definitely raw power in there that uh, I don't think he really gets to very consistently in games by any means, but uh, there's there's definitely the upside for him to be that kind of power, speed type threat. Uh, the risk with him is obviously he, he was 
you know, he's a little bit older for uh, uh, 2017 high school player, so he's playing his first season at, at age 20, and then it's still, I don't want to say, he's not necessarily raw as as a hitter, but there's, uh, it's it's not not totally a free swinger, but there's certainly at least some free swinging type of tendencies in there, and and between that and it's not a uh, it's not a high bat to ball type profile. The the strikeout rate certainly is a, a red flag for a hitter who's still at the low A level. So uh, certainly not a, a polished hitter by any means, but uh, if you're looking at the the raw tools and and the athleticism and and the overall performance in itself, it's not like he went out and, and had a bad year by any means. It was a it was a solid year for for a guy in his first full season, but um, definitely a lot of raw raw tools and, and athleticism. Uh, but with that, uh, in, in terms of just the the pure hitting ability, I think that's definitely the the risk factor with him. Overall, in this top 10, how many guys would you say were firmly in it and how many guys were kind of on the cusp, uh, you know, spot up for debate, if you will? Um, you know what? I actually think most, like, most of the top 10 guys were, were pretty clear-cut guys who belonged uh, in, in the top 10. Uh, maybe that, that last spot with... Uh, you know, Mason Angler, you can debate different guys there, whether you want to go with uh, him or, or obviously, you know, he was drafted behind Owen White. You, you could put certainly Owen White there or Jonathan Ornelas, another guy from, from that draft class uh, with, with Ornelas coming out and having a, a nice year. I mean, Cole Reagans, you don't want to forget about him. Uh, but, you know, he just, you know, the Tommy John surgery knocks his stock down, especially as a guy who's still – you know, really far away, uh, you know, somebody like C.D. Pelham, who has, you know, you know, a little bit of big league experience and is going to be closer to, to making an impact than a lot of these guys. But uh, some of the upside just limited because of him being a, a reliever or, or you kind of even go maybe uh, uh, the other extreme to, to some degree with, you know, somebody like Oslavis Basabe, who had a, a great year in the Dominican Summer League and has a uh, a lot of really exciting athleticism and, and tools that he brings, but obviously the risk of being a guy who's still so far away and, and has yet to come over to, uh, you know, even to the States and, and play yet. So uh, I thought the top, yeah, again, those those top guys, I you could certainly debate some of the, the order with them, but uh, really until you get to the, the very back of that top ten, I feel like most of those guys were, were, were certainly the guys who, who should be in that in that top ten group. Absolutely. Well, as you said, it's a it's a it's a group that, um, as of this exact moment in time, is probably in the back ten of baseball. But there's a lot of youth, a lot of guys who, you know, maybe this time a year from now, it's it's a much better group just with some natural growth and development, and they'll have another high pick to add to it. So, I would definitely assume this is a system that has a chance to be on the rise. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Ben, thank you so much for uh, joining us and putting the Rangers top 10 together and uh, look forward to seeing all the rest you have for all your other organizations. All right. Thanks, Kyle. For Ben Badler, I'm Kyle Glazer. This has been the Rangers top 10 prospects podcast. We got a lot more heading your way. Keep it here at Baseball America. Thanks for listening, everybody. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.